you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fulmer. I guess I shouldn't say alongside because we are <laughs> uh, we are separated by several miles. Yes. Uh, the three of us actually are separated by several miles. So uh, here we are back again. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's opening day and it's depressing. I got my Yankee right? hat on, but... Uh, I know I should break out some Dodger gear or something just, uh, you know, yeah. in honor of, of, of opening day. Uh, this is our life for a while, it seems, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, the mayor of L.A. is talking about, you know, May at the earliest. Yeah. So That's, it's... 
Whew, man, this mm. is the new normal. So uh, anyway, we are here to help you try to get through it as best as possible. Uh, I know everybody's looking for a distraction. So uh, if we can offer that up for you for at least a little bit, uh, we are glad to do so. Uh, last podcast on Tuesday, we talked about winners and losers, guys who move teams uh, from one team to another and whether or not they got better or potentially got worse. Uh, today, we'll talk about winners and losers, guys who didn't go anywhere, but maybe are helped or hurt by some of the moves that their teams made. We'll do that. We'll talk about some of the other moves that happened since the last time we spoke to you. And uh, I don't know, we'll talk about some fun, try to you know have some fun or something productive about this whole uh, quarantine situation we are all in. Before we do that, though, we'll talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's new? Yeah, Fabs just mentioned uh, what the mayor said, and he um, yesterday at his press conference does one every day out here, like around like 5.15, I believe. And he uh, he shut down the parks. He shouldn't like Runyon Canyon and stuff, which is a really mm-hmm. famous, uh, popular spot to hike if you live in the Los Angeles area. And uh, I was doing okay in terms of like the the quarantine, uh, like going out and exercising, getting that kind of stuff. And I bought a uh, basketball, a football, a pump. I actually have it next to me. I was gonna get kettlebells and go outside. So I was like, this is great. I can still go to parks. I get my hikes in. I can toss the ball around. I can do weights outside. And then he closed in all these parks. And I get why. Trust me. Like I I saw the pictures from Runyon. Um, I saw how many people were in packs, not following the social distancing rules. But like just when I thought like, all right, maybe this quarantine isn't so bad. I can get outside and do my my thing. It's like all the parks are now closed, and there's cops actually like surveying the parks to make sure people don't go in there wow. in groups so now i'm just like well so much for that uh now I'm back inside and stuck uh can't do much unless you're in like a private uh hangout area so yeah that's the, that's a real bummer for us out here also it's like 48 degrees which is also terrible it's not <laughs> which nice, is like unheard yeah. of one thing it's we've learned though. or maybe it's just been confirmed <laughs> is that a lot of people are very stupid and reckless yeah just follow the rules if you follow it's the rules and people unreal. are on top of each other we could still be hiking around even and there's a lot of other good hikes but like they're all closed now because of those people just they were so excited to get outside and like they thought I mean, well if i'm outside i could hang up my friends and be do whatever fine. yeah yeah i mean look you guys know this because you live in la people who live in la know this runyon is a cluster on the best of oh, it right yeah. so like yeah so like when when everything else is shut down and there's nowhere else to go i just i had to imagine that runyon was going to get even worse um but yeah now that's been taken we can't have nice things no that's the uh, the long and short right, of this nothing right now. So, all right, enough of that sadness. Let's do some news. Let's do the news. Okay, well, since we last talked to you, there have been a few other moves that have been made. Uh, The biggest one, the Panthers sign Robbie Anderson, the guy who was the biggest remaining Free agent wide receiver is now off the board. He goes to Carolina. I don't know, Fabs. People have asked me about this. I've talked about this. I don't get it. I mean, I guess I get it for Robbie Anderson. Like, they they sign you to a nice deal. You get to reconnect with your college coach, Matt Rule, that you worked with at Temple. But in terms of his fantasy value, like, I just – I don't really understand what this is doing for anyone. It it, it sucks. And let's be honest. (laughs) Robbie Anderson's overrated. He is because – He's been all or nothing for the last two years. In the the Mm. first eight weeks of last season or the first eight games, he averaged like eight points a game, and then down the stretch he was better. He's not a number one receiver. He's a field stretcher. So actually, for the Panthers, this is a pretty nice move, although Teddy Bridgewater is not a guy who's throwing the ball deep uh, all too often. And yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, Robbie Anderson's a four or five for me because, number one, I don't trust him. Number two... 
I mean, he's Christian McCaffrey is going to get a million targets. DJ Moore is going to get a million targets. I, right. I think it hurts the value of Curtis Samuel. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that one. <laughs> but I mean, like, it, it, it's a blah move for fantasy, and so good for the Panthers, good for their passing game for fantasy. Anderson's four or five for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel that way. So, I mean, I'm of two minds. One. He gets away from Adam Gaze's offense, which is a <laughs> right. plus. Yeah. Like, that's a plus, right? We yeah, saw right. what happened yep, to all those yep. guys last year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about it. He is a field stretcher, right? His biggest asset is his long speed. Teddy Bridgewater is not known as a guy who's going to stand back there and sling the ball deep. So right. I just – I don't know. I, I felt like this is a weird situation. And I guess for, for Anderson, what I took away from it is – um, I don't know how many offers were coming his way, and considering how deep the draft is for wide receivers, Probably I right. think you take whatever good offer you can get, because if you wait till after the draft, those offers are going to get even harder to find once once teams draft the guys. Right, I think it was, what, two years and $20 million or something like that. So something like that, yeah. Take it. Uh, other wide receiver signings. Uh, Philip Dorsett leaves the Patriots. He heads west to Seattle, joins the Seahawks. Uh, they got a lot of speed there, but I feel like unless they're somehow committing to throwing the football more, I just... I just don't see enough target volume in his future to make him really worthwhile. He's depth. That's all he is. <laughs> right. I, really, I mean, like, you know, I, you got Lockett, you got you got uh, Metcalf, and that's it from a fantasy standpoint in Seattle. So, Yeah, um, they're still going to be run heavy, I would think. Um, you know, and like you said, those the targets are going to funnel through those two main guys, and that's right. that's kind of all you go. And, and like, uh, all, they have, what, three tight ends now if Disley can come back. So, I mean. If he comes uh, back, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Robbie Anderson leaves the Jets. Brashad Perriman joins the Jets. Signs a one-year deal for up to $8 million. Uh, I know he was great down the stretch, Fabs. I'm sure he helped a lot of people win fantasy championships with his final three weeks after Mike Evans and Chris Godwin got hurt. Uh, I'm not buying into that, though, for this year. Going to the Jets, going to that offense, that is a mess. That still doesn't really have a, a true number one receiver. Uh, I just I can't imagine I want any parts of Brashad Perriman. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you I'll give you um, uh, who would you rather scenario okay. would you rather have Robbie Anderson or Perriman like right now I'd rather have Perriman to be honest with you because he's got a, he's got an easier path to targets right now right, exactly exactly but I mean the Jets could potentially draft a wide receiver maybe even in round one we'll see I mean they have Jamison Crowder and what else <laughs> I mean there there's there's, there's there's not a whole lot there so uh, yeah so but. Then you've got Adam Gase, who who ruins offensive skill position players' careers, not named Peyton Manning and those <laughs> playing with him in Denver. So, yeah, Perriman's a four or five for me, and, and I'd rather have him over Robbie Anderson. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, again, yeah. it's not it, it's not the it's not the best move. And you mentioned it, Perriman was really useless in a waiver wire player uh, before both Godwin and Evans went down last season, and then he was very useful uh, down the stretch, but. Perriman's been a bust in his career in the national. Yeah. He was a first round pick yes, by the Ravens and he never did anything. So um, late round pick four or five for me. This will be his fourth team in four seasons. Right. That, that, that tells you a clue. Yeah. So uh, Tyler Eifert is no longer in Cincinnati after seven seasons, seven injury plagued seasons there. He uh, is signing a deal with the Jaguars. Um, look, man, that was a 2015. Eifert had 13 touchdown catches. The other six years of his career, he has 11 total. Um, I guess if he can stay healthy, there's potential there. I mean, he's a tight end, too, at best. Maybe he's a, a waiver wire guy. I can't imagine spending any real draft capital on Tyler Eifert. You know, I mean, so so he he knows the offense, though, because he was with Jay Gruden uh, 
uh, previously. So that that could be an advantage. But I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like he is what he is. He, he's a, he's a tight end too that you'll maybe draft late. Who is not durable? And I, and I get it. Like you know, one one of his injuries was it was bad luck. But overall, when a guy has as many injuries in his career as Tyler Eifert has, you know, fantasy owners kind of write him off as being, uh, you know, prone to injuries. So that's sort of where he's at. Um, and, and you mentioned it; he had that one big season for the Bengals, and you know, yeah. since then it's been just a, a litany of injuries. So late round pick at best. He played 16 games for the first time in his career last year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 436 yards, three touchdowns. Didn't do yeah. much. I mean, which was surprising yeah. too, because no AJ Green. And uh, he, they still couldn't uh, get him involved in that offense uh, enough to make him valuable in fantasy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, last bit of news. The Vikings have signed Tajay Sharp, uh, I guess ostensibly, to help replace Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I still think if I'm going for a number two receiver in Minnesota, I mean, look, this is we'll get to Adam Thielen uh, and, and how this you know affects him, but... Uh, if I'm looking for a number two receiver in Minnesota, I feel like I would probably take my chances on BC Johnson before I did the Tajay Sharp. I mean, I don't know that I'm excited about either one of them, right? But I don't know that Tajay Sharp is the guy who steps in and, and becomes Stefan Diggs 2.0. Yeah, I mean, like if all things remain the same, he'll probably be a late round pick in some deeper leagues. But you would think the Vikings are going to do more at the wide receiver position, probably through the draft. So, I mean, they gave him a one year deal. It's right now he's the number two wide receiver, <laughs> which tells you right. you know what's going on there in Minnesota. He's probably a fa- the favorite to be the number two, but the Vikings can't be done at wide receiver. They're, they're, they have to add more talent to you that. Think so? And th- this is a team that has you know playoff and championship aspirations, so they, they have to they have to make some improvements at wide receiver uh, after trading Diggs. And, and you yeah. know they they have draft capital, so they will. Absolutely. All right, there you go. That's uh, pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. All right, let's talk some winners and losers, guys who stayed put, but potentially either were helped or hurt by the things their teams did around them. We'll start with the winner side, and look, this is a hands down, right? Kyler Murray. I mean, the mm-hmm. the hype on Kyler Murray Fabs is already out of control. Um, so now I guess my only question is, what he's is he? I know that none of us will probably get Kyler Murray because what he's going to come off the board, what fourth round. Fifth round this year. I, I would, I would, I would guess fifth or sixth round. That's that's mm-hmm. where I would, that's where I would guess that he would go. Um, and, and because everyone's going to look at the addition of New Hopkins and think, whoa, man, he could be, you know, Lamar Jackson this season. I, I don't know if he ain't going to be that good, but I, he's my third quarterback right now. I, you know, I've got Lamar, I've got Mahomes, and I've got Kyler. Uh, the offense plays fast. He's got a lot of weapons. They are going to score a ton of points. He's got a year of NFL experience under his belt. So you he averaged right around 18 points last year, so you can easily see him popping up over the 20-point-per-game average. So, right. yeah, I mean, but again, you mentioned it. We're probably not going to get him, but in a lot of home leagues, he may go a little bit sooner, but fifth round, sixth round, I feel like that's kind of like the sweet spot for where people are going to be looking for uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's funny, because I, I was, you know, at the end of last season sort of saying that that Kyler could be the new Lamar Jackson in the sense that he's the guy that you could wait, get near the end of your draft, and then have him give you like production that 
exceeded what you spent on him in draft capital. Mm-hmm. But I feel like by the end of the year, a lot of people started kind of kind of picking up on that same idea. And now the the value, the discount that you would have gotten on Kyler Murray is completely yep. gone. Like totally that's it. Gone. Like if you got him in Dynasty last year, congratulations. Because in redraft leagues, like the value the the the, the draft discount is completely gone for him. Done. So, yep. Exactly right. So uh Miles Sanders in Philadelphia. I mean Jordan Howard is gone. We'll see if the Eagles do something uh, in the draft when it comes Please to the running back. Please don't. Please. But, but, right, but right now, what? I mean, Darren Sproles retired, right? I mean, like. It's, is... it's Boston Scott and Sanders at the top of the depth chart at this point. Yeah. I mean, so this is sort of the Miles Sanders show, which is, I think, what a lot of us were wanting last year. Um, it kind of took a while for it to sort of happen. But now, at least for the moment, this is his show. Although, I mean, we know Doug Peterson, right? He's not a one running back guy. I can't imagine it stays this way. Right, but uh, he the, the biggest obstacle to Sanders being uh, an RB2 in fantasy on a regular basis is gone with, with Howard going to Miami. If you look at the numbers that Sanders posted last year, there was like a four-week stretch where Jordan Howard was out. Sanders averaged almost 20 points a game. And we saw the emergence of Boston Scott as well, but Miles Sanders, listen, he, he comes out of Penn State, didn't play as much as he might have because he had this dude Saquon Barkley ahead of him on the depth chart. But, I mean, he's he's a good all-around back. He really is. I mean, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he is going to end up being one of my favorite breakout candidates for 2020. And he finished as a top 15 running back uh, as a rookie. So I feel like he's still got plenty of room in his ceiling to to become a, a superstar. So Sanders, is at this point, I, he's the second-round pick. Third-round pick wow. at worst. Third-round yeah, pick probably. at worst. He has he has moved up quite a bit, and it's mm-hmm. funny because I, I think we're now just starting to talk about him because I hadn't heard a whole lot about Miles Sanders in the last few days, but now I think people are starting to, to kind of pick up. Uh, Chris Godwin, I mean, this is <clears throat> excuse me, this is obvious here, you know, obviously when they get Tom Brady, but um, the thing that I, I I talked about and wrote about is that um, we know that Brady loves his slot guys in part because he just he fed Julian Edelman a ton of targets, even if he doesn't throw the ball a ton downfield. Chris Godwin was so good after the catch. Um, I, I think he gets a much bigger boost than Mike Evans. He's a huge winner here. Yeah, I mean, he finished second in fantasy points among wide receivers last season. So, mm-hmm. uh, how much? How much? <laughs> yeah, I just well, feel like I mean, I, I feel like you know, Jameis. Jameis is what he is, and I, I feel like Godwin's. He he's he, his value doesn't increase to me or decrease at all he kind of just remains like the same he's going to be like a maybe, top. maybe he closes that huge gap between him and michael could Thomas. be <laughs> yeah could be no yeah no doubt no doubt um all right uh let's see daryl henderson uh we know todd Gurley obviously gone uh so henderson in theory moves up any thoughts on malcolm brown too uh how yeah. much how much this helps him i don't know i mean like it helps him but i, I mean honestly d the rams are probably going to draft a running back right like you would think they're going to draft somebody you would think so th- this could be like a very short-lived uh, winner <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, of Daryl Henderson's fantasy value because right now it's him and Malcolm Brown and, and you know not much of anything else. So the Browns, uh, excuse me, the Rams go out and, and draft a running back and that could absolutely put uh, a huge damper on uh, the, the Henderson hype. And we, we there was hype last season around him because he was so good uh, at college. I mean, he averaged over almost nine yards a carry uh, in his final season there. So... He didn't really do much of anything. Gurley kind of remained the guy for the most part, uh, especially in the second half of the season. But right now, as we stand, Daryl Henderson's the starting running back for the L.A. Rams and their ugly-ass logo. (laughs) And um, 
that means he's an RB2 flex starter for right now. Were you talking to Eric Dickerson about that logo? I no, it's ugly. It's ugly. He's it's stupid. I, I like the uh, the Ram. Like the Ram head is okay. The Ram head's cool, but the the logo's like stupid. Like I don't know why teams who already have great logos ever go away from them. Like I guess it's because they want to make more money in merchandise because fans oh, yeah. will go out and buy the. But like like the Cowboys never changed their logo. The Packers never changed their logo. The Raiders never changed their logo. The Rams, I mean, you know, they're, they're an iconic team. Yeah, they went to St. Louis, but back in the days in Austin. Why would you? I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into it, but I don't like that. That that Rams head is okay. The other logo is that crap. LA thing is that it's LA thing garbage. is garbage. It's garbage. It looks sort of like it looks sort of chargery to begin with. Um, uh, yeah, no, the, I don't like it. The other thing is, I actually thought because you know it, it sort of leaked uh, a couple yes, weeks ago, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "This is dumb and stupid." So I figured maybe they would tweak it a little bit. And come up with something different, but no, they did pretty much the exact same thing. We, and we so. had Austin Eckler on the show a few weeks ago, and he was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and Austin, "Of course, and actually, I mean, <laughs> Austin's got to be happy because the the Chargers are going to the uh, more of the Potter Blues. Potter Blue, um, I know those are sweet this season, so that's good. I actually started awesome. something on Twitter. I'm going to do it every day for the next 32 days. Give, I, I'm going to tweet out my favorite jersey of every single team. I started with the Buffalo okay. Bills today. And then I want people to – the thread is, like, ridiculous. There's tons of people. But it's only one team per day. Like, I have people posting the creamsicles and, like, the Patriots and Pat, the Patriots stuff. It's only one team per day. But today we did uh, Buffalo. Trying to have okay. a little fun on social media. Right. But eh, that Rams thing, isn't that – I mean, great, Bob. What, what's worse, Marcus, the Rams – logo or that crappy dolphins logo that they came out with a few years ago because that one or stinks like too jumping into the sun or whatever it yeah, sucks it's weird. terrible they had a great <laughs> logo great. man and they ruined it that wasn't great uh so uh so basically the uh the rams uh, are a loser when it comes <laughs> that's, to right. that's right they're uh, a winner but the jersey he's got to wear is that's a loser there you go uh back to the winner's side though adam thielen we talked about it a little bit i mean obviously no more stefan diggs the vikings still needing wide receiver help so i mean as of this moment uh i mean adam thielen is getting pretty much all of the targets i think in that passing game right hey, now like he's what a third or fourth round pick now right now like as we stand gotta Easily. be i mean he Easily. missed a lot of time with injuries last season he averaged only 11 points a game but you know Diggs opens up 94 targets and thielen thielen the year before was tremendous and we remember how good he was in the first half of the season where he was putting up 100 yards like every single week so yeah, his value is up right now. And honestly, I don't know that the Vikings can can add a wide receiver who's going to make Thielen's value go down that much. Regardless, I feel like he's the number one option in Minnesota for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely the number one option. So, I, I mean, I just you know keep an eye on what happens draft-wise, but Adam Thielen gets a big, big boost mm-hmm. uh, for that. Baker Mayfield, um, the the... Browns go out, they get Austin Hooper uh, to go along with all the other weapons they have in the passing game. Mm-hmm. On top of it, they go out and get an offensive lineman. They get yes, Jack Conklin, Jack Conklin. Mm-hmm. to really go out and help what was a, a deficient part of that offense last year. Um, you know, So I was just you know, wondering, maybe last year we were all big on Baker Mayfield. That obviously didn't work out. So do we do we double down? Do we get back in on Baker this year? Nah, I, I mean I'll draft him as a two. Like I had him, I was a dope. Like a lot of the people in the industry, you know, we all got fooled by right. you know the OBJ stuff, and so I had him. I think fifth or sixth at quarterback. I don't have him there at all. He, he's in the teens for me right now. So late round pick, and maybe you'll strike gold this year. Maybe it was a you know we 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 were a little bit early on on Baker Mayfield, but I, hell, I think I think Conklin is 
every bit as big of an addition for for Baker's value as Austin Hooper is, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because the quarterback and especially you know a guy like Baker who turns the ball over, you get pressure on him. He throws it to the wrong team. Now you alleviate some of that pressure, give him a little bit more time in the pocket, and suddenly he can find you know OBJ and Jarvis and and, and Hooper and, and Kareem Hunt. Should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other quarterback who gets a big boost, Josh Allen. I mean, they get Stephon Diggs to go along yeah. with uh, with John Brown in that offense. The The only question for me is, does he get more accurate throwing the ball downfield? <laughs> but, I mean, having another weapon like Stephon Diggs can't do anything but but help you out. No, I'm actually, because I have my rankings right now, and I'm right now I have Deshaun Watson ahead of Allen, one spot ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But like it's 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 close. Like you know, you wouldn't have thought that a couple of weeks ago before the Texans traded Nuke for whatever reason. But Josh Allen was the QB six last year. He's a good and he runs with the ball. You know, he's he's that I've I've said it. He's he's the new Cam Newton. He really is. He's tremendous. And now you give him digs. Who's going to see way more than 94 targets, I would think, uh, in that offense. And you've got John Brown, and you've got Cole Beasley, and Devin Singletary is a good young running back. Uh, I don't know what Dawson Knox is going to end up being, but, I mean, Buffalo has weapons. They're the best team in the AFC East right now, right? And there's no argument about that either. Exactly, exactly. So I I think Josh Allen is going to end up being sixth, maybe, seventh at at worst at quarterback. And that's because it's, you know, you've got – you're not going to get ahead of Mahomes. You're not going to get ahead of Lamar. You're not going to get a Kyler or Russell Wilson. You got right. Dak up there as well. And and then you're looking at, you know, Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen. That's a pretty good company. Are we going to stop sleeping on him in drafts? I mean, because I think people I think people still get hung up on the the accuracy issues, right? And the fact that he's not a traditional passer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that hurts him in drafts. And I'm just wondering if people are going to start to kind of shake that off a little if bit. If you uh, if you as a fantasy owner don't realize already that a running quarterback is so much more valuable than just a guy who's a pocket passer, then then you're you know, maybe you want to take up something else. I don't know, croquet. I don't. I'm not sure, but he's he's the man. Uh, Josh Allen, I, I, you know, I, I really loved what I saw from him last season. Uh, they will, they will run design runs for him. He's, he's got a big arm. Accuracy will improve, hopefully. And uh, you know, he's had a few seasons under his belt now. So, uh, I, I mean, he, he's going to end. Up, I, I would guess, and I haven't done, I haven't done like a ten round mock yet. I'm going to do a fiver uh, this week. I'm going to guess he's off the board. Before the tenth round, I'm probably eighth or ninth. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I w- that's I where I would. So. That's how I'd project him to go. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, so now this is this is gonna get interesting, right? Because you go down to Carolina. DJ Moore feels like a, a definite winner here because of the Teddy Bridgewater move. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so DJ Moore, I think we both agree on, right? That that he's a winner in this situation. The one that the, the name that I've I've brought up. That has kind of caused some debate, not just here, but like with other people I've talked to, is Curtis Samuel, mm-hmm. whether or not he's a winner or a loser. And this can kind of transition us from one to the to the next. Um, sure. I feel like he's a winner, one, just because, look, after Kyle Allen and Will Greer, it can't get worse. It can't get worse. <laughs> um I also feel like having Robbie Anderson sort of helps a little bit because they'll have Anderson running these streaks and running these vertical routes and maybe open some things up for Samuel to run some of those more intermediate routes, maybe those underneath routes. And he's got a more accurate quarterback. I don't think he's going to be some like gangbusters wide receiver one, but I think he gets better than he was last year. I see. I, I just feel like you add Robbie. An- I, I'll, I'll draft Anderson over Samuel because they, they spent the money on him. 
he is the field stretcher. And uh, to be honest, I love Curtis Samuel, but he hasn't really developed into what I feel like the Panthers were hoping he'd develop into in his first few years in the league. I mean, I, I even see rumors, and they're probably just rumors, that you know the Panthers might look to put him on the trade block. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but they they spent $20 million on, on Robbie Anderson, and he's going to get more targets than Curtis Samuel this week. Now, they can use Curtis Samuel in a variety of ways. You can use him as a gadget player out of the backfield, that kind of thing, on some jet sweeps. But I, I just... I have Anderson ranked ahead of Samuel. They're really close, but they're both fours or fives. And Anderson is going to – he's going to get targets. He's going to get targets, and maybe those targets otherwise would have went to Samuel. Now you've got another player in the mix who's going to eat into the target opportunities. And that and DJ Moore, I don't feel like his value goes down at all because he's a, he's sort of no, a different player than, than, than Samuel or he's Robbie fine. Anderson. But I, I, I don't like this move. It's a good move for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think it's a good right. move for Curtis Samuel. I just I feel like with Samuel one maybe the targets do come. He actually had a, had 105 targets last year. Even if the target number comes down, I I'm encouraged that I think there'll be more quality targets, right? Like he just I mean, like the, the quarterback situation was a mess in Carolina mm-hmm. last year. And I feel like even if he doesn't get to 100 targets, that maybe he'll just have more catchable targets and he'll turn them in. Like he was a guy that was I think he was top 15 in terms of like total air yards and he was like in the 50s, I believe, in terms of actual receiving yards, like it, the there was a huge discrepancy. It's so like I just want him to have a quarterback that can throw the ball to him, not just near mm-hmm. him. And so maybe, so that's what I'm. That's sort of what I'm looking at. But right. I, so you know, so I, yeah. So so Bridgewater being more accurate makes you like Samuel more. Anderson coming in and eating up targets makes me like him less, basically. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, and I feel like I feel like this is a name. Like, I've I've mentioned this to to several people, and like it, there has been a a definite divide on how people feel about Curtis Samuel. So he's going to be one that I think a lot of people will sort of be debating as we get through sure. the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. All right, guys that are just straight up, you know, that, that, that did not get help. I don't want to call them losers, but they they loser did not, they did not get any help in free agency. Poor Deshaun Watson, man. Like I know. He's, he's out here sending out like help messages on Twitter on now. Twitter. Like, <laughs> just like he's like sending out sad messages on Twitter now because he loses arguably the most dynamic receiver in the league. In return, they get a running back who is older, has had injury issues. Maybe he's healthy and bounces back, but it just I mean, he just can't. He can't win, man. Like the wide, no. the the offensive line has had issues. They're mm-hmm. taking away his weapons. He's got a a wide receiver core that I don't know might play a combined sixteen games. You know, just the most of their durable health. guy there is probably like Randall Cobb, and I mean he yeah. hasn't been super durable either. You know, lately. I mean, just it's a. I feel bad for Deshaun. <laughs> he he threw the football thirty percent of the time last season to New Hopkins, and you mm-hmm. take that away. And he's a running quarterback, so he's not going to drop too, too far. But, I mean, I had him third before this happened, and now I now I dropped him down to, like, six or seven in that area. Mm-hmm. It's it's not I – guess, I guess maybe the one thing that he'll have going for him is that he's, the, the Texans are – the defense is eh. They're going to probably be in a lot of high-scoring games. So maybe Deshaun is going to be like that quarterback who, in the second half of games, is you know going to really build up and put up some numbers maybe in garbage time, that kind of thing. But – yeah, I mean, he, you lose Nuke Hopkins, it ain't gonna help. And and mm-hmm. the Texans, it, I I think I don't think they have a first round pick. I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think they have a first round pick. So. so 
that hurts their chances of picking up a wide receiver who could potentially make an impact. Although, you know, the, the wide receiver group is, is pretty deep this, this, uh, this, this year. So it, it has to hurt them. You can't lose a player of that magnitude and not see your value decrease a little bit. Uh, and that's where Watson is right now. Yeah. I mean, just, I felt so bad. He's sending out these sad messages on Twitter and I'm like, be strong, man. But uh, it's, well, it's the, you know what? I mean, the Patriots, if they offer Sony Michelle in a third round pick, maybe they can get him. Right. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe Bill O'Brien, so, you know, I mean, you, you never know. Right. So not only do they not have a first round pick, they don't even pick to like the back end of the second round. I mean, they are, because I mean, they're a playoff team. So man, I mean, it's just, whew, sorry mm-hmm. about that. Uh, Nick Chubb. Um, I, I mean, put him Austin. in here. I put him in here and here's well, why. No. Well, one, you they get it, right? Hunt. They, they kept Kareem Hunt, which doesn't That's help. what killed it. So like Nick Chubb would have been a first round pick if Kareem Hunt had gotten an offer from another team. Here, here's, the, here's the stats that you need to remember. Last year, when Nick Chubb was the featured back, this guy ranked sixth in fantasy points among running backs, mm-hmm. okay? Right. When Kareem Hunt returned from suspension, Nick Chubb was 23rd, Marcus. That's, mm-hmm. He is completely devoid of any value as a pass catcher, any, with Kareem Hunt in the mix. And then you bring in Austin Hooper. So Nick Chubb, he might run for 1,300 yards. He had two touchdowns when Kareem Hunt came back. Two. He had six wow. before that. So I love Nick Chubb. I think he's a tremendous back. And if it was a situation where he was in Houston and he was going to get all the damn touches, he's a first-round pick, no doubt about it. He's a right. second-round pick now. But don't underestimate how good Kareem Hunt is he was a stud in fantasy in Kansas City before he was an idiot and got yep. cut. And now he is still a great player, and they have two great backs. And to be a featured back who can be a top eight back, unless your name is Derrick Henry, you've got to have some semblance of catching the ball out of the backfield, right? You've got to have it. Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Zeke, what do they all have in common? They catch the ball out of the backfield. Chubb's not going to get the opportunity to do that. And so he's going to be limited in terms of what his statistical ceiling could be, and that's why I have him now as a second-round pick. This this no. hurts him. It really hurts no, him. No, I agree. No, yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, even But even Kareem Hunt, I think, gets hurt a little bit just with Austin Hooper being there because that's, yeah. one, more, that's one more person yep. to throw the football to. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it – it's one of those things where it's great for the Browns offense as a whole right. for us uh, in terms of what we do in playing fantasy. It's, it's not great. It's not great at all. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Philip Lindsay. I mean, this is obvious. Melvin Gordon comes in and takes over as the number one back there in Denver. Philip Lindsay gets a, uh, a, a bump down uh, Royce Freeman, it, unless he, unless he gets traded or cut or something like that. I mean, he, he takes a huge, huge yep. loss here. But Philip Lindsay uh, is a guy who definitely gets hurt by Melvin Gordon showing up in Denver. So maybe it's just me. I don't know, guys. You tell me. Doesn't Philip Lindsay remind you of Melvin Gordon? Like in, their, in terms of like their skill set and the way that they play? Like they're both guys who are explosive backs who could take the ball to the house anytime. They're adequate pass catchers as well. Gordon's had uh, you know, some good seasons as a pass. To me, it's like they're kind of like the same back. Like, they don't really complement one another. They, they, they kind of have the same sort of skill sets, right? Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think, well, Gordon will be the starter. I think he's a better, yes. he's a slightly better pass catcher, which yes. helps. Yes, yes. Um, but, like, Gordon, I, I feel like he's he's no more than a low RB2, high RB3, 
But there's going to be scenarios during the course of the season where, and you mentioned this uh, earlier in the week, if Lindsey gets hot, they'll give him the damn ball. If Gordon gets hot, they'll give him the ball. Right. If it's if it's Lindsey's series and they get down into the red zone, they're going to give him the ball. So it just, it's it's going to be really hard to, to decipher uh, which guy week to week could end up being the better back. Gordon will be the favorite to be the better back because he's he got paid and he's Melvin Gordon. He's been great uh, outside of right. his rookie campaign. But which where remember, I don't think he scored a touchdown as a rookie, right? He did and not. since then he's been he's been awesome. But I mean, he goes from an RB1 to an RB3, maybe a low RB2 at best, and then Lindsay's like a four now. So, yeah, yeah, it's a bad move for fantasy. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Julian Edelman, he loses his quarterback. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, I, unless mm-hmm. we really believe in Jarrett Stidham or Brian Hoyer or they draft Cam Newton. Oh, if Cam, Cam look, Newton. Look, if, if Cam Newton shows up, then Julian Edelman gets off this list. But as of this moment... Um, losing Tom Brady is a downgrade for Julian Edelman. So, so here's Edelman is going to see a lot of, I don't, I don't know what the Patriots are going to do with their passing game. He's going to get a lot of targets. They're not going to be as good. Uh, I would, I would I would suggest depending on who the quarterback is. I mean, right now, like what are the Patriots options? You can't, you can't convince me that Jerry Stidham's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. You can't, um, Cam, did they trade for Andy Dalton? I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's still out there. Jame, I mean, Jameis is out there. But that's, that's what that's I was just going to mention. Happen. But, like, can Bill that's Belichick really handle having a quarterback who's going to no. throw the ball to the wrong team that many times every single season? No. I, I, mm-hmm. I just I, – I don't buy it. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, did, did you see that um, – that it's like it was like a mashup on Twitter where it was the town – and Edelman and uh, you know and, Affleck and, was was Brady and, uh, yeah, and, and, the, and uh, that was that was so good. But I mean, yeah, yeah Edelman's value takes and, and Edelman's not a spring chicken. He's he's you know nope. he's not a young dude anymore. So he, he's still going to get targets unless the Patriots make some significant moves uh, in the passing game. But you go from you go from the goat to hell anybody else. Right, it's, it's going to hurt. <laughs> uh, Christian Kirk. Uh, obviously, he's a guy that I loved last year, and it never really took off the way I wanted it to. But um, look, I think he's still good. But having DeAndre Hopkins automatically means you are going to see fewer targets. I mean, there's just no way around that right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's good because you know Nuke's going to draw coverage. That's a good thing. But in terms of his statistical ceiling, you're adding 150 targets. Right? You're adding 150 mm-hmm. targets to, to that offense, and so that means somebody's losing targets. And to me, like. Kirk is is probably a three now. Um, probably, I, I, I guess probably in that three range. Isabella's not even draftable at this point, and Fitzgerald's probably a late rounder at best. So, and and don't forget, Kenyon Drake is a really good pass catcher. Like he's going to catch balls too. So, it's it's one of those scenarios where there's a lot of miles to feed, and Christian Kirk goes from having a nice ceiling, a very nice ceiling, a, a wide receiver two ceiling, a high wide receiver two ceiling too. Now he's in the wide receiver three category, and he's got to contend with one of the best wide receivers in the league for targets, and that's going to be tough for him. Uh, let's back up a second because I just saw a tweet from James Palmer uh, okay. who said that the Broncos officially signed Melvin Gordon today. The belief is that Gordon will be Denver's bell cow. Does that change anything for you? Do you are you buying it? Does that change anything if you are? Dude, I mean, it's, you know – what are we in right now? It's March. Yeah, I, I, a lot of stuff's going to be. I don't know. You, you still. Here's the thing: if if 
Lindsay and God, please let us have a training camp. But if Lindsay <laughs> looks good in training camp and in the preseason, okay, and we know he's an explosive guy, do you really think Gordon's going to get you know three hundred and fifty touches in that offense? I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. Like to me, I, I, I would project him more for like maybe you know two fifty, right? I mean, which which isn't bad at all, but. I, hey, if it, if it happens, great. Then Gordon's value. I I still don't think he's a wider. He's a running back one. He's going to be a running back two. But I, to me, I, I don't know, man. Like you still got two backs that are pretty darn good in in Philip right. Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Unless they trade Freeman, which is possible. I guess we'll find out. You know, we'll find out in the weeks and months to come. But that that would be great if it did happen. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm skeptical. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, John Brown. Uh, still in a good spot, but Stefan Diggs being there, Fabs, I think that, that takes Brown down a, a peg or two, right? No doubt. And Brown had, <clears throat> I believe he had 114 targets somewhere in that neighborhood last year. That's going to decrease. John Brown was really good for, well, mm-hmm. he, he was really good for, um, uh, you know, he was probably a wide receiver 2-3. You know, he was an elite wide receiver, obviously, but he, he was pretty good last season. Um, career year from a fantasy standpoint. But when you... Again, same kind of thing as Christian Kirk. When you add a wide receiver who's going to command 100 targets, 110 targets, your target share is going to go down without question. Mm-hmm. Cole Beasley's going to get his. I mentioned Dawson Knox. Devin Singletary can catch the ball out of the backfield. So John Brown goes from being like a wide receiver two type to being probably more of a three. I mean, maybe even maybe even a four. I, I moved John Brown down uh, in my rankings, and I'm going to take a quick look right now. Um, yeah, he, he's in that he's in that wide receiver three four category. He's actually right in the Christian Kirk, Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry, Debo Samuel kind of area. Got it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see. Let's get through the last couple here. Jameis Winston. I mean, he's still out there. So right now he's he's taking an L because he doesn't have a job. Here's um, my prediction. Okay. Back up in Pittsburgh. That's where he's going to be. Interesting. I mean, look, there's no starting he's- jobs. If he's the ba- well, there's no starting jobs, mostly because the Chargers don't seem interested in, in going after any of these guys out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bears are bearing it up. Um, yeah, the having him at Pittsburgh means he very likely will play. I mean, just knowing Ben Roethlisberger's health situation over the last couple of years, the fact that that Ben is always good to miss a couple of games. Jameis very well could play if he does sign in Pittsburgh. The, the Steelers, like we could see him on the field. The Steelers were still contending for a playoff berth with yeah. the garbage they had at quarterback last season. Yeah. Yeah. They still that's a good team. Yeah. You know, they have a good defense, a really good defense. They've got weapons on the offensive side of the football. Deontay Johnson, I love him. James Washington can make plays. They added Eric Ebron. Juju obviously is in the mix. They've got James Conner, they've got Benny Snell. Let's see what they add during the course of the draft. Dude, if Roethlisberger goes down and your backup is garbage, I mean, I, I, like Jameis Winston's not an elete you know, quarterback but by any stretch of the imagination, but he'll, he's a hell of a good backup for Pittsburgh. And I think that backup. would be because he's not – where's he going to go? I don't think he'll go to New England, right? No. The Chargers don't want him. The Bears traded for Foles. I'm just thinking, like, where where can he go where there's a starting job available? He's, Miami is going to draft a quarterback, and they got Fitzpatrick. They're fine there. Like, where's he going to go? Redskins? No, they traded for Kyle Allen. I, I just don't see it. And yeah. it looks like Dwayne Haskins is going to be the guy. So Winston goes to Pittsburgh is, for me, his best fit. 
because there's no place else that he can go where he's going to get a starting job. So why not go to a team that desperately needs a backup quarterback with a starter who missed a lot of time last season due to injuries and is certainly not a spring chicken? Right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, last one, I'm actually going to – just switch this one up. I had Mitchell Trubisky on the list, but people aren't really drafting Trubisky, so like that's <laughs> nope. whatever. Um, Derek Carr, uh, another guy who's sort of like a middling, a QB2, like maybe you pick him up off the waiver wire if the situation is right. He's going to be in a legitimate quarterback competition this year with Marcus Mariota. And there's a very good chance that, you know, either if there's a training camp, he doesn't perform well, or if we get into the regular season and he has a couple of bad games, there's a very real chance, Fabs, that Marcus Mariota could end up with that starting job in, in Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland. Las well, Vegas. Yeah. What did we talk about, <laughs> right? Who's their GM? Mike Mayock. Yep. Mike Mayock had Mariota ranked as his top quarterback the year he came out between Mariota and Jameis. He likes him. Derek Carr, you tell me, if Derek Carr, okay, has a couple of bad games in a row, you're you're not you're not expecting the calls for Mariota to come out either from the crowd or the or the coaches or both. It's going to happen. I said right. it earlier in the week. Mariota's going to start games for the Raiders. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, no, I believe that too. Um, so yeah, Derek Carr. Very much on the hot seat in Vegas uh, with the Raiders. So there you go. Those are some of our, our winners and losers. I'm sure we'll have more as we uh, as, as things kind of shake out and settle down. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely do this again after the draft uh, when we know some more of where some of these rookies are going. Um, mm-hmm. So last thing, I, I, I'm calling an audible on this here too because I was going to talk about, you know, now that we're all kind of locked in our homes and it, we can't go out to eat like what you're cooking. And so I'll save that for a, another time. Um, but as you mentioned at the top of the show, Fabs, I mean, it is opening day in Major League Baseball. At least it, it would have been opening day if we were living in normal times. So it just sort of made me wonder, like, if you guys have any specific opening day memories. Um, I mean, I so I'll, I'll start. I, I had one. This wasn't, this wasn't actually opening day. It was a Dodger home opener in 2000. And at the time, uh, I, was, I was between jobs, so I had plenty of time. And a good friend of mine, uh, he was still in high school, but he had he had gotten tickets to Dodger opening day in 2000 against the Cincinnati Reds. And it was Ken Griffey Jr.'s first year in Cincinnati. So we were all excited. I love Junior. He was still one of my favorite baseball players of all time. And I remember this is how different of a time it was, right? It was 2000. I went to go pick up my buddy. Uh, like I said, he was a senior in high school and I just remember parking out in front of the school and like, they just let him come out. I think he just went to the front office and it was like, I think he told the, I think he told the people in the front office, like, Hey, my mom's here to pick me up. Um, and like, I didn't have to walk in or show any ID or have a note. They just like, let him walk outside. Like, and he, he hopped in the car and we went to Dodger stadium. Uh, side note to this, like this happened in 2000. I don't think his mom actually found out about this until maybe like five years ago. I really <laughs> thought that he had told her this whole story and that, that he had gotten the all clear from her. He had done this on his own, but we went to Dodger stadium. I remember the Dodgers ended up winning. I can't remember what the final score was, but I remember a big situation in the eighth inning, uh, bases loaded two outs junior at the plate. They go to the bullpen. The place is going insane. And uh, whoever it was comes out of the pin, strikes out King Griffey Jr. on a high fastball to get out of the inning. And the Dodgers hang on and end up winning their home opener that day. Um, 
that was like, I mean, literally 20 years ago, but like, I will remember that forever and ever and ever. That's one of my favorite, I guess, as close to opening day as I can remember sort of, sort of memories there. Yeah. The, the one that, the one that comes to mind is, uh, for me is Jeter, uh, his first year, which was 90, was it 96, Eddie? Was Jeter's first year 96? Yeah, I believe no. so. Was, is no, that 96? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm, uh, he hit a home run off of Dennis Martinez and, like th- that was like, oh, Jeter's here, you know. Like, is there so much hype around him and that kind of thing? And he ended up being one of the greatest shortstops uh, in the history of the game. And if you don't believe that, you can at me. I don't care. Uh, he he is, and uh, uh, you know. So I remember that. I also remember, and Eddie, there was you. You remember this too? There was an opening day, I believe, and I I don't remember who the. It might have been against the Royals. Where Andy Pettit started and it was snowing. I was just gonna. That was my story. My dad was at that game. Yeah, you go. You take. Go, you go ahead. Go ahead. You take. I was just. Gonna, I, my dad had a stretch and I forgot when it ended recently, but he um, would always go to Yankees opening day. Um, and I remember one time he went and he had like, remember those like uh, the the majestic jackets. You guys don't remember they used to like put the yes, buses you yes. sell mm-hmm. and like Joe Torre yep. always wear his. And this is obviously during the Joe Torre era of the Yankees. And I remember like my dad would have to was going with not a Yankees like hat like you're wearing fast like a Yankees like ski hat where you're pulling on top of your head and he had like the the majestic jacket because it was it was literally snowing outside for a baseball game and he was at that game and i i don't think like they played through it it was just like a flurry but they were playing through they didn't stop the game down like it wasn't postponed or anything and which is uh it's crazy how cold baseball is and i'm sure other obviously other parts of the country have have cold games uh the first few months in the last month but uh a snowing baseball game is definitely a sight to see that was that was my story yeah yeah, speaking of baseball too, like I have, I have you know some friends who who are MLB players, and I, I'm texting with them. I'm like, you know, how you guys doing? Blah blah blah. Some of them have stayed in, uh, stayed in Florida, and um, I said, what's what's going to happen? Like, and, and some of the responses were like that they could be playing baseball into December. How the hell are you going to play no a baseball way. game in December in There's the Bronx no or in Chicago or in Philadelphia? You can't do it. How the hell you are you going to do that? There's just right? no way. Like, There's for me, no the best thing to do would be whenever they start. So, you know, say that they're going to start, I don't know. I, I just throw a, you know, throw, a, throw a date out there, June 1st. Whoever the teams are supposed to play on June 1st and the original schedule, that's where they pick it up. And you just go through. And I don't know how many games it's going to be. you got to yeah. make sure everybody's playing the same amount of games. Just, but, but, like, I, December baseball? How the hell is that going to work? You're potentially going to have to lose games here. Um, I think, you know, I think you'll see, you'll see more actual true doubleheaders. I think to, mm-hmm. to try to fill in some of these things, you know, like we're, we've gotten used to these like day night doubleheaders, which are whack as far as I'm concerned. Like play an actual <laughs> double, like, you know, like, I'd like to see like play nine innings, spend a half hour to get the field ready in between and let's go play another game right after that. So I think right, yeah. I think you'll see a lot more of those uh, mm-hmm. if we have a season to try and like keep the, 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 the schedule you know, as together as possible. But I just don't I don't see any way if this drags on. I just don't see any way around actually just losing games and just yeah. having a shortened season. One, th- yeah, one thing I game. saw that I wasn't I, I liked because it would mean it's, it's baseball earlier than uh, pushing it back and, you know, until later in the summer. But um, especially for places that were hit hard by the, the virus and the Yankees, obviously being in New York City with it being a, a pretty bad spot for for uh, the coronavirus is that they would not play home games in Yankee Stadium. They would play home games in other opponent stadiums mm-hmm. and they would call it a home game. And part of me is like, well, I definitely want baseball back. But the other part of mm-hmm. me is like, you're losing the in the incredible home field advantage. I was like, oh, I mean, if they could move into like Baltimore, I mean, a lot of Yankees fans travel there anyway. It's like maybe that, that's not so what bad. What about Tampa? But, 
Yeah, that too. Tampa's that, another another really good. Have town. you ever been to that stadium? <laughs> that stadium is awful. Yeah, and you got all the snowbirds down there in it Florida. Is awful. <laughs> that stadium is not even a professional stadium, unfortunately for for the Rays, uh, but because their team is really good. So, um, but I, I'll say this. Like, this whole situation sucks for everybody. Today is the first day that I'm really kind of, like, depressed. Because I love baseball, man. Like, I'm a, I've am been a Yankee fan for since I was seven or eight years old. And today sucks because, you know, we're missing no out baseball. on baseball. day. There should have yeah. been baseball. There, it, you know what? Today would have been, been the opening day and also would have been the Sweet 16 in the tournament. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So. Damn you, 2020. Saying it out loud makes it hurt a little bit more, actually. I was like making my amends with it until I said it out loud. and now I would have been like setting my fantasy baseball uh, daily uh, draft uh, my team today. And, uh, it makes you, it makes you, uh, you miss like the little things. Like I, I would trade sitting in traffic and for two hours to drive like 30 miles to Anaheim to see the Yankees play the Angels. Yeah. I would definitely do it. I would, I would sit yeah. in the traffic to get into Dodger Stadium, the one lane uh, funneling at Dodger Stadium I mean, uh, in Silver Lake. I would go do that. Like it's, it's, I did it's that worth a couple it. years ago, man. Me and, me and my three closest friends, we all got together and uh, we did. We did Dodger opening day, Dodgers Giants, um, and it was packed. It was crazy. We were like crammed into like the, the left field corner, but man, it was a day, you know. But and, you, you uh, just reminded me of an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And oh, by oh, the with way, Larry, yeah, yeah. Latte with, Larry, I got my Latte Larry shirt on. With the HOV Larry, yeah, with Larry HOV, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, enough sadness there. Okay, that's it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading and viewing. If you are seeing our video clips as well, we certainly appreciate all of that. Uh, tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember the secret to staying young is having no sense of time. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you on Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? 
Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.